0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hallelujah. Oh, hold on a second. There's a Vaporeon that just showed up on Pokemon Go. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I thought I was trying to think of a, you know, icebreaker joke or something to I thought that would have been a good one. I actually am on Pokemon Go, but I have no clue my kids have to Show me what to do, because I'm, I'm still at a loss. I don't know what Pikachu candy is or anything. Anyways, now, okay, let's jump into some uh, teaching, hopefully some new and fresh insight into his word as well. Amen. Psalm 23. Everybody, for the most part, even people that don't come to church have heard this because it's quoted in movies. It's, it's uh, in literature, secular literature. I, I want to approach it from a different perspective and uh, I subtitled this Lifelong Grace. So I'm just going to jump right in to Psalm 23 and it says like this in the New King James Version, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want of the Lord forever. Amen. Let that sink in just for a second. Okay, point number one. Psalm 23, if I were to divide it into three parts, I would say that it really talks about, prophetically, about the grace of God that is to come. Point number one is his work. Verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And Psalms, the Psalm right before it is Psalm 22. And if you are a student of the Bible, you know that everything in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, is a type and shadow of some sort that points to the New Covenant, to something in the New Covenant. Verse one does exactly that. Uh, Let's reference uh, Psalms 22. There in the previous Psalm, we note that for a fact that the 23rd Psalm is pointing to a Messianic figure. It is prophetically pointing to Christ. Verse 20, or excuse me, Psalm 22, verse one, it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is that prophetic? I don't don't know. Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For those that are students of the word, have you guys heard that anywhere else in the good book? Yeah? It's in Matthew, it's also found in Matthew 27, verse 46. And it says, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. He was on the cross at this point, with a loud voice saying, Elahi, Elahi, lama sabakhtani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is quoting Psalms 23 there. And just as a, rem- uh, a reminder, remember that the purpose of the atonement by Jesus on the cross was to substitute for our lack of righteousness our lack of right standing before God. Isaiah 64 and six, you'll, you'll find a lot of little references that I didn't spell out completely, but that's for you to go home and uh, and and do your own study and stuff like that. So, you know, I forgot to mention and I apologize before we move any forward. Uh, if you did not receive the notes, please raise your hand and, oh, I apologize, I might have caught the ushers off guard, but please raise your hand and, and the usher will. We'll address that. Okay, looks like everybody got their notes. Okay, so Isaiah 64 verse six says, but we are all like an unclean thing and our righteousness are like filthy rags. If you study that out, that's a pretty interesting and powerful analogy of our righteousness and our works in the sight of God. That's why the atonement of Jesus Christ was so necessary. We needed that substitute. You know, just an interesting note on types and shadows because Holy Ghost was not yet manifest fully in the world. He was present, right? He was present, but he was not manifested in the people. Moses was instructed to write commandments on tablets of stone so that men's hearts would turn and repent. In the New Covenant, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 3.3, 3, clearly you are a letter of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, get this, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of our hearts. In other words, initially the law was written on tablets of stone to cause men to repent, but the shepherd's sacrifice, Jesus, made it so that now the commandments would be written on the tablets of your hearts, your hearts of flesh, so that men would then turn to him. He flipped it. He said, I'm gonna write it down on you so then you'll repent. That'll cause you to repent. As opposed to repent, here are the commandments. Repent, do this, do that. See, he always intended to be our fulfillment. He does the work. He now does the work. Further, Paul tells us in Romans chapter seven, starting in verse 13, this is a really interesting passage, because it's almost a plea by Paul. He was a very studious guy, all right? And I'll get into that in a second, but verse 13 says, has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. Get this, he, this is Paul saying, he does not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do See, it's very important how you read it because it puts a totally different emphasis on the scripture. Paul is here saying, Man, I got some stuff that I think about. I don't want to do it because I hate it, but you know what? I'm carnal. I do it. He does it. Come on, I'm going to just be a little bit real and just get a little bit deep here. How many of us have been on a Friday night seeing what our former before Christ friends are doing? I'm like, I want to go with them, hang out over there. That's exactly what Paul is talking about. He was struggling with the sin that he faced every day in life. He hated things, but yet he did them because his flesh wanted to do them. If then I do, verse 16, I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. The purpose of the law was to point out our sin, it's good. Paul is saying that he, he's, he's doing the evil stuff that he hates to do because his flesh is sinful. All right, I'm gonna, oh man, this is just, it's just, every time I read this, it just trips me out and it shows me how graceful God is, amen? For the good that I will do, I do not do, but the evil, um, but the evil I will not do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, a lot of doing, a lot of working on, Paul's behalf it is no longer I who do it but sin that dwells in me I find then that the law that evil is present with me the one who wills to do good for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man but I see another law in my members this is really important I'm setting something up so warring against the law of my mind he knows that he's not supposed to be doing this stuff but yet he's doing it and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, he's feeling guilty. Oh How many of us have been there after we've done something we weren't supposed to do? Hey, I'm there. I said something I wasn't supposed to, I acted, I thought something that was probably not of God. All right, we're, we're all there, right? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's it. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He has in his heart to do good, but he can't because his flesh just keeps overpowering him. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, as it were, allow me to summarize. Paul here is clearly stating that even with the law, his own body desires to sin against his own conscience, and yet he still does it. Even Paul was guilty and he was the utmost of the Pharisees. The Pharisee of Pharisees have you. He's confessing it right here in chapter seven of the book of Romans. Guys, we can relate. The grace of God is powerful. It is powerful, know that he, his work alone has done this. But what does it declare immediately after verse, what is that, verse 25? What does it declare immediately after? It's the very next chapter, the very next verse after Paul has pled guilty in Romans 7, Romans 8 starts off by stating this. Check it out. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that I was weak, through the flesh God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us that do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Where's Sister Tammy? Come on with it. I need to come on with it in here. Because that's good. Immediately after he's pled guilty he's saying but Christ died for my sin, and he cleared me of all that guilt. Amen? Come on, somebody. That's really good news. That's the basis of the gospel. That's the basis of why you're sitting in those seats. Christ did it, not you. If you find yourself here for the first time, Christ did it. He set it up. He's setting you up for righteousness. He's setting you up to succeed. Amen? All right, look down at your notes. At B, verse two states, he makes, and I'm just going to read it off, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. See, so let's, let's jump down to the end of that self-same chapter, chapter eight, verse 27 and 28. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's your B blank there. Making all things work together for those, so he clearly lays it out, that it's his his work that is making all things work together for those who love him. That's point one, sub point one. For those who are called, sub point two. And for those according to his purpose. Think on this. All right, give you a second to write that down. Think on this. The best of everything we have, everything we hope to be, is found in his work. He's done the work. Brothers and sisters, he's done the work. Can I get some help? He's done the work. Hallelujah. So that's point one. Point All right, let's move quickly. But there is now no doubt that he has done it and that verse one, all right, if you'll go with me, verse one is a type and shadow that points to Christ. It's a different perspective. That's just verse one, amen? Look at your notes at point two. Point two, his, can anybody guess? His grace, his grace, his work, his grace. Verse 3 states, He restores my soul, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. See, right here, He proves that He brings restoration and reconciliation because He is good and because He is a good and righteous Father. Referencing Matthew 7 8 through 11, and I'm not going to read through the whole site, uh, but it basically states, what parent among you if your kid asks for bread will give him a stone or if your kid asks for fish give him a snake if you then being unrighteous or an unevil or an evil parent know how to give good things to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him It's a good thing to ponder right If we know how to give good gifts imagine a perfect God right All right, the next blank. See, we have the same ministry. And that is referring to reconciliation and restoration. That's that's our ministry. Everybody here that preaches, our ministry is to reconcile you back to the knowledge of who you are in Christ. Everything points back to Christ. Everything points back to the work that he did. That's everyone's ministry, all right? It's not to condemn, it's not to judge, although we are to build our brother and sister up. Everything is to reconcile us back to Christ. Amen? Matthew 7, 12, that reference says, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. It's kind of like the golden rule, right? And he wants us to reconcile others to God. Verse, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 18 states, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him, Thus no longer. We don't know Jesus in the flesh. We know him in the spirit. Do you understand? Amen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We repeat this uh, a lot of times for those that are part of the tree family. We are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And here's the key verse. We stop sometimes there, and that's a great verse to ponder on, but we stop because here's where Christ lays it out, or Paul lays it out for us as Christians. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, look at, look at, look it. <laughs> look at Linda, Linda, look, look at Linda. <laughs> Sorry, I remember that YouTube video. <laughs> um, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, this is verse 18, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the, that's our our job, y'all. Reconcile people, reconcile each other to God through Christ, amen. B, look at your notes, verse four. He's got me covered in spite of me. He's got me covered in spite of me. Psalm 125, verse two says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. You may recall, uh, I preached on April 27th, that's why that site is there. If you want, go back and and, and this whole thing about covering is covered in that sermon, so I'm just gonna briefly touch on it. Verse four of Psalm 23 states, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Regardless of what you do, God's got you covered. All right, and just so you know, Sometimes we're like, oh my God, does God hate me? Does God want me to die? What is, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. He's going to smite me. I can't, I can't turn left here because, you know, whatever. And we have this anxious fit. Well, let me, let me give you just a little briefing of, about what are some signs that you're under a solid covering of God. You're teachable. You're he- the fact that you're here, this is our kind of our core group, the fact that you're here means that you're teachable. Like the disciples, right? You Your reputation, gauge your reputation. Are you of of honorable repute? All right, what what do people say about you? Not, Not that that matters in the sense like, oh, I care what everybody says, no. People carry reputation and that's what I'm basing that off of. Do you guys understand? Reputation. You're spiritually mature, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 talk about the fruit of the Spirit which is love, joy, peace, Patience or long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. If you're exhibiting those, those are the fruit of the Spirit, people. And you are on your way to being spiritually mature. We're always growing, right? But sometimes that patience with those five kids of mine, I don't know. <laughs> the witness of the Holy Spirit. Let the anointing in you guide you in the discovery of true protection and fellowship. Again, He's got you covered in spite of yourself. So, what does all this knowledge get me? What can I glean from all of this word? Right, because that's what you're asking. I know it's on the forefront of your mind. I could just see all the gears turning. And uh, some of you in the back over there, I could hear them grinding, right? No, just kidding, they're not. That's always something to ask yourself actually when listening to sermons, whether it's me, whomever, or lessons on podcasts or YouTube, watching a, a really cool uh, you know, video or documentary, the important thing to ask yourself is, how does this apply to my life? Can it impact me tomorrow on my daily whatever it is you do? Can it impact me, will it last to next week? Will it last through next year? That's how you learn the value of what's important when you can tell its longevity. So. Can it help me tomorrow? Is it applicable next week? Is it applicable next year? Is it applicable in Nigeria? Is it applicable in China? Not just here in New Braunfels, Texas. A truth is applicable anywhere. Remember that. All right? So, can can this apply to your life? Yes, yes it can. Look at your notes. God, uh, specifically the Son, becomes, number three, our rest. God, specifically through the sun or in the sun, becomes our rest. Verse five, check it out. Verse five, I'm gonna read the verse first, don't put it up there. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. None of us are in some sort of war, some sort of battle right now. So, that word enemies can actually be substituted with your issues, your circumstances. So, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my issues and my circumstances. He lays them before me as if, hey, these, don't worry about these. I got them. So, that next blank there on your notes, we've just got to relax and let God be. We've just got to relax and let God be. John 14, verses 15 through 18. Again, as reference, please go back and study this on your own. Read them, get them in your your soul, all right? 15 starts off and says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I think I spoke about this maybe two times ago. Remember, his yoke is easy, and he only has two commandments. Do you remember what those are? Love God with all your heart, your soul and your mind. And two Yes, I heard somebody over here coming leader right. And two, love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15 goes on to say, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, this is Jesus speaking, I will come to you. We've just got to relax and let God be, number one, my provider. We've just got to relax and let God be, number two, my enabler. We've just got to relax and let God be my sustainer my provider, my enabler, my, sustain, my sustainer, and that's through the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is ready and willing to enact in your life, to provide in your life, to sustain you in your walk as a Christian. When you're watching all those news shows and they're getting on your last nerve, Holy Ghost will sustain you through that, give you peace, and help you to instill hope in others. Right? We need to hashtag instill hope in others. The Holy Ghost is there to help you instill hope in others. Amen? Think on this. You are not destined to walk this world alone. You have Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. See, sometimes we forget about him because he's that third person in the Trinity, in the Godhead. We say, oh, Father this, oh, Father that, oh, in the name of the Son. But it's, you never say, Holy Ghost, be here. Holy Ghost, come and breathe in my life. Holy Ghost, come here right now. You know, you can equally call on the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, He's the one who calls, who answers the call. Because Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He said He will not leave you orphanless, or orphans rather. He said He will send Holy Ghost to your side. Holy Spirit, for those that are a little bit sensitive and afraid of the supernatural. So with all of this so far let's read from the top of Psalms 23 one more time where David prophetically writes the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path, come on somebody, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But get this, it isn't until I step into it that I start to mess things up. Because he says, "Yea, though I walk through the valleys. Who, who, who walked through the valley of shadow death? I did. See, when we do something, we mess things up, but that's okay, because Romans 8, 28 promises that he'll take care of us, right? So he says, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? You got me covered. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then finish, he says in verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Amen. Come on, somebody. He did the work and he has the grace. All right, it's all about him, people. It's all about him. And one last thing look at the final blank and the final verse, verse 6, B, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy are your and my life partners. He will not leave us nor forsake us. He promised this in his word in Psalm 23, y'all. Hey, this is prophetic. This was not just a lament by by, uh, David because of all the junk he did. No, he was setting us up for success through the Holy Ghost. He knew that there came some that somebody was going to come. I'm telling you what, he expected the Messiah in his lifetime. David did. He expected the Messiah in his lifetime. He was writing this down with a hopeful expectation that Holy Spirit would show up and power and rejuvenate Israel to conquer the world. But no, God had a different plan. God had a plan for all the nations of the world to be blessed. Red, yellow, black, and white. All of them, amen? All of them to instill hope into everybody. Hallelujah, it's all about Him for us. Whoo! What, what page am I on? So ultimately, we've gotten the better end of the deal, y'all. It's His work that gives us access to His grace and allowed for us our rest now and forevermore. This is righteousness and favor. Toward his children, towards you and I. Come on now, favor. It may not sound like it's a fair deal, but I'm telling you what, it's free for you and me. It's free for you and me. Come on, somebody, it's free for you and for me. Hallelujah, that's what it's there for. His grace is there to provide everything for you and me, to enable me to do the work of the ministry work around here, but not just here, at home, your neighbors in your workplace to sustain you when you, again, when you just had it up to here from Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is you're on or or your, na- or your co-workers just, ah, stop it. Stop talking to me. And I'm telling you what. Can you take that, please? He sustains you through Holy Ghost, Amen. He sustains you through the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you what, my hope is that this blessed you tonight and that it showed you a new perspective on Psalm 23. It's not, amen, amen, all right, all right. See, it's not just an easy psalm for Sunday school or for tree kids or, or just to teach children, hey, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No, it's not. It's a layout of God's plan for humankind. Psalm 23 is a layout of God's plan for humankind. You see, we often walk in too much condemnation. We did this, we did that. Paul did too, right? We read that. Paul did too. The difference is that he understood, and now you can understand the unmerited favor of God's grace made possible by Jesus' work so that we can live in our rest. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org